0: welcome to this week's episode on the Canadian Church Leaders Podcast. My name is Jaden. I'm a part of the team here at CCLN, and today we are sharing a very special episode. At the beginning of May, we took the group of pastors who are part of our Church Leaders Incubator on a trip to the UK to meet with different church leaders there. It was a jam-packed, impactful trip for our crew, as they were able to learn from godly creative church leaders serving in all sorts of contexts across London and the UK. And for every session we had, and we had about seven of them, we slapped an iPhone on a table and we hit record. So this episode you're listening into is a compilation of a number of highlights from the sessions that we got permission to share. You're gonna hear from Emmy Wilson, Pete Hughes, Tim May, Stephen Foster, and Simon Ponzibe, as well as some reflections from a few of the pastors and our team members who are in the room at these sessions. And to give some context for why we do a trip like this, England is a society that has a long history with Christianity and with the church. Churches in England have experienced the cycles, the ebbs and flows, the decline and resurgence of engagement with the church over hundreds of years. So the hope for a trip like this is that we would receive a wider perspective on the historic and global church and that we would come back to Canada with more hope and more imagination. For how we can serve the church in Canada in our moment. And really, it's just fascinating to be in a place that has a profound history of revival with churches that are deeply concerned about revitalization and contributing creatively to the betterment of the place they're in. So that, in a nutshell, is why our team and 16 pastors packed up and took a trip across the Atlantic. Now with no further introduction, let's get started.
1: Today's episode is made possible by our friends at the Canadian Bible Society. We want to highlight a resource they developed called the Bible Course, a course that was created to help the average person engage with God's word in a deeper way. The Bible Course includes eight weeks of video teaching that are all designed to connect the events, books, and characters of scripture together into one big story. This course can easily be run in small groups and even as a great follow-up to something like Alpha if you're currently running that. To check out the first video for free and to learn more about the course, just head to BibleSociety.ca/slash the Bible Course and you'll find all you need. That's BibleSociety.ca/slash the Bible
0: Course. We're going to begin with Nikki Gumbel. Many of you know Nikki, he's the pioneer of Alpha and the pastor of Holy Trinity Brompton, an incredible sending innovative church that has had a large impact on the UK and on the world. Actually, in one way or another, all the pastors we're going to hear from in this episode are connected to HTB. It's incredible the impact that they've had. But before we dive into one theme that emerged from our time with Nikki, we want Emmy Wilson to set some context. Emmy was the first person ever to run an alpha course in a prison, and she's been a part of the HTB church family for decades, even longer than Nikki. We spent some time hearing from Emmy, and while she was with us, she shared about the moment that defined Nikki's trajectory as an evangelist and church leader. It involves John Wimber of the Vineyard Movement, who was in London at HTB, facilitating these beautiful times of prayer ministry. The speaker that Emmy refers to in this next clip is John.
2: Tuesday night he was speaking down below us in Church House and in those days there was a stage at the back and I was sitting at the back row and that was the night that he had a word of knowledge that there were ten people in the room with athlete's foot. Do you know this story? Okay, so nine people stood. nice
3: to be in a room where don't know the story. hey? Yeah,
2: I was there. <laughs> uh, wow. Nine people stood It's really interesting having a word of knowledge for 10 people with athlete's foot. I mean, it's such an ugly condition to have. (laughs) So there happened to be a barrister sitting in the front row, because, of course, the last seats are always in the front row, who happened to have athlete's foot, but had a little bit of pride and was not going to admit it. So his wife started to dig him in the ribs, saying, that 10th person is you. And eventually he stood up and... John members' team went over to him and said, Can we pray for athlete's foot? And he said, No, I quite like it, especially when it itches and you went like this. So they said, Well, what can we pray for? And he said, I need the power of God's Spirit. So they prayed three words, come Holy Spirit. And basically, the Spirit fell on this guy who happened to be called Nicky Gumble. And he fell to the floor and I watched the whole thing and he was shaking so hard and screaming so hard that eventually uh, John Member said, take that man out. And he was literally carried out onto the grass here <laughs> with two hands, two legs. Um, and as he was being carried out, John Member pointed to him and said, that man is being given the gift of evangelism.
0: This was a trajectory-setting moment for Nikki, who went on to develop one of the most effective evangelistic courses in the church to date, and to lead one of London's most influential churches. Today, one of the ways that Nikki and the team at HTB are investing in and equipping church leaders is through their theological college, St. Malitus College. Thousands of people have gone through this college and been sent out to serve the broader church. And in our time with Nikki, he honed in on two streams they have developed there in order to identify and empower underserved people in the church into leadership. And to be honest, I've never heard anything like this. It is brilliant thinking. The two streams are called the Caleb stream and the Peter stream. So first the Caleb stream. It exists to train mature lay leaders towards ordination in the Church of England. And when I say mature, I'm talking about people who are 60 plus years old, people who are retired. One of the pieces of research that influenced this stream being developed concluded that the most productive age in a human life is between 60 to 70 years old, the second most being from 70 to 80 years old. Caleb in scripture we know ministered effectively well into his old age. And the Caleb stream at St. Miletus is empowering more and more people to not just relax on the golf courts as they head towards the end of their life, but to re engage with what the Lord has given them for the sake of the church and for the sake of the kingdom. It's incredible. Now let's talk about the Peter stream. The Peter stream is specifically designed to redress the most significant underrepresentation in ordained leadership in the Church of England. So the program attracts these people from unrepresented demographics, people who have been limited in life because of their race, class, or education, and they're being equipped and sent into local churches. It's called the Peter Stream because Peter in the Bible wasn't known to be an intellectual, but he had a unique gift set that enabled him to lead effectively. Here's Jeremy, one of the pastors in the incubator, to share his reflections on this stream specifically.
3: We had a chance to sit down with Nikki and Pippa Gumble, and they shared how for years and years, they have intentionally worked with or decided to work with the wider Church of England for the sake of unity and with the heart to see churches not shut down. And one of the most striking things for me was seeing how they are looking at the gaps and holes in like a seminary system and realizing like not everyone is an intellectual and not everyone has um, even the privilege and finances and and situation uh, to be able to learn that way and get pipeline in that way. So they're creating the, like just basically going, who are people God's called? Or who are people less privileged that are anointed and have emotional intelligence and capacity to lead? And then they're making pipelines for those people in creative ways to build the church. And to fill fill church buildings that would have otherwise shut down and it was so inspiring
0: now let's take us back to canada for a moment with church buildings being torn down vacancies in senior pastor roles across the country and a leadership pipeline that if we're honest isn't robust enough to solve the problem there is so much for us to learn from creative ideas like these Perhaps there are underserved, unrepresented people in our congregations and our community who are anointed and called by God, and they are just waiting for someone to identify them. Like Jeremy said, the Church of England is literally seeing less church buildings close their doors because of empowering ideas like these. Who knows what could be on the other side of a number of pastors here in Canada, tapping the shoulders of some Peters or some Calebs in our spheres. Lord, would you call these people out of the woodwork, and would you touch our eyes and help us see them? Now, before we met with Nikki and Emmy, we spent some time at King's Cross Church, a church our friend Pete Hughes planted just over 10 years ago. And technically, you could call KXC a grandchild plant of HTB, which, like we mentioned, has a great legacy of church planting and revitalization in the UK over the past few decades. And on the first Sunday, we were on the ground in London. We were able to visit KXC for one of their morning services, followed by some Q&R with Pete around the story and vision of KXC and what they've been called to do in London. This is Jason asking Pete to share a bit on that.
3: One thing that I'm always impacted chatting with you or anyone from your team is a real sense of ecclesiology rooted in a place. Yeah. And I just love for you to unpack that a little bit. You already have talking about even just the fact that you you know the spiritual topography of this
4: area and history.
3: Yeah, um, yeah t- just t- tell me more about that conviction to, to really think about a church in a place.
5: Yeah. So I think it began, so when we planted one of our you know, priorities was we want to draw people into the narrative of scripture, recognising we were young demographically, loads of 20s and 30s, who honestly didn't know the meta-narrative of scripture. So we were like, we want to draw them into the story, you know, a story to live in and a story to live out. And we did that. And as we were doing that, just became more fascinated with the story of King's Cross, this part of London with the vision that we want the story of Scripture to interact with the story of King's Cross mm-hmm. so that this experiences the redemption that's present in the na- narrative of Scripture. And then w- when we looked into some of the history, I think spiritually came alive in that. So a guy called Alan Scott um, came to speak at KXE and he basically <sighs> made this word, he said, your destiny is hidden in your history, um, which I think is a beautiful summary of the narrative of Scripture. Was that a principle or a word for I think it was. Probably both, but he said, This is what I feel like the father wants to say of your church. Your destiny's hidden in your history. And for me that was like I knew it to be true, even though I didn't understand it. So I was like, Well, what's in the history of King's Cross? Because it it's spiritually contested ground and it has been a dogfight. As and there's been some amazing moments in our journey. But honestly, there's been moments where it's almost broken. Mm. And and basically the story began. So King's Cross was Known as Battle Bridge. It was basically the battleground where the Romans invaded and went into battle with Queen Boudicca, leading one of the Celtic tribes. And there was a battle and it took the name Battle Bridge. And I was like, that's nuts, because I think what we've experienced on the ground is like constant warfare. Mm. So we've got two councils um, in this part of London, two sort of like boroughs, areas. And the tensions between those two boroughs is, is nuts. Mm. The sense of competition in the churches around here, it just feels like there's spiritually something going on mm. here. Mm. Like, oh, the roots of this part of London is empires colliding mm. and warring for territory. It's like, that's, that's how this came about. So we need, to, we need to pray into that. So that's one part of the story that gave us some keys for intercession. Another part, so 597 AD, some monks travelled from um, Rome carrying the relics of St Pancras, hence the name of the station, King's Cross St Pancras. Um, And they were looking for a base from which to convert the British Isles. And they basically landed in King's Cross. And one of the first, you know, churches, sites of worship is is in King's Cross, Old St Pancras. So again, that was like fascinating. So basically, in the roots of this land, is basically some missionaries coming saying we need a base from which to send the gospel across the arts. And then King's Cross became the biggest train station in the country, sending goods across the land. But before it was ever the station, it was sending missionaries and good news across the land. So again, it's like, okay, that's in the history of King's Cross, a centre of mission with a vision to transform the nation and the nations. It's like, Lord, do it again. Yes. If, if, if something of our destiny is hidden in that, Lord, do it again. And then more recently came across this well, some mm. Chad's Well, and we've been praying for physical healings and haven't seen much. And it's like, hang on a minute. In the history of this land, there was a well where thousands would visit each week in search for supernatural healing. Lord, do it again. Oh. So I think that I've become more aware of, like, there is there's something in the land that either needs to be called out, something beautiful. It's like, Lord, would you uncover that well? May Mm -hmm. the waters flow again. Or something dark and demonic that we need to take authority over. Mm. And either way, we're basically inviting Mm. the kingdom to break out. And Mm. I think we've seen some moments where spiritually we have taken ground as we've kind of been on that journey.
0: Now, during the service that morning, Anna Mason, one of the pastors who is a part of the lead team at KXC, shared about her calling to plant a church in North Cornwall, a small town just 450 kilometers west of where we were. It was beautiful. And this kind of story isn't unusual for KXC. Like HTB, they are a church committed to sending out their best leaders as they follow the call of God to contribute to the kingdom at large. And though it's compelling to hear this vision of raising up incredible leaders and sending them out— it's easy to look at it all through rose-colored glasses. There's a reward in it, of course, but there's a cost as well. Michael Chinchilla, one of our incubator pastors, asked Pete to share a bit more on this tension.
1: Obviously you've into something where you're constantly gonna have people coming in and out. Yeah. And you're growing, developing, and then you're sending. yeah. That could be, like, very life-giving or very yeah. tumultuous yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Did you talk about, like, navigating that, like, giving people lots yeah. of responsibility and then at the same
0: time just saying, oh, you're called to go. So
5: now yeah, to do that. <laughs> totally. Okay. And, and it's both. I think it is exactly that. It's so exhilarating and so painful. Mm-hmm. So, like, Anna getting ready to leave. Anna's been here five, six years, and... And is the most remarkable leader and it, it's gonna be a big loss for the church and for the team. And for some of us personally and relationally, it's like, oh wow. I feel like B and I are regularly saying goodbye to some of our best friends. Right. And I'm B is far more relationally wired than I am, but, but even I find the goodbyes like very painful and we keep getting older I've been trying to halt that but we keep getting older the church remains pretty young so we feel the gap more and a lot of our peers have left and it's like oh lord this is like this is getting really hard now for for B and I leading a really young church when our our friends keep leaving so there's pain you know that's like we do feel that We are praying for people to hear the call, to like bed down for the long term. We're trying to invite people towards that. But also I think we've had to reframe what we're going after. Like the the, the cost of the call probably for us is not having loads of peers in our church, um, always feeling a little bit like isolated, um, but that's the cost, what's, what's the reward? The reward is seeing life break out, people coming to faith and leaders emerge and churches being planted. Um, so, so again, we've reframed what success looks like. So if the average KXC is here for three years, praying some of them would say but it's like okay we've got a window how can we infect them with kingdom values that wherever they go next they're going to be an amazing blessing to their church to their city to their community so it's like we've got them for a moment let's give everything knowing that a lot of them are going to leave and that's costly but the reward and yeah are the stories we probably never get to hear of of the impact they're having where they go next
0: After our time with Pete, he invited his team to spend some time praying for us. It was a really beautiful time of ministry as they shared specific words of knowledge and encouragement for some of the people in the room. And these types of moments were some of the most meaningful from the trip. Chris Krause, pastor of Southgate Church in Langley, said this about the time.
3: It was when Pastor Pete Hughes at KXC prayed eight simple words that everything changed for me. Come Holy Spirit, fill us with your love. Those eight words caused an eruption in my spirit, a passion in my heart to pursue the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's those eight words that has changed the prayer culture within our church. It's those eight words that have inspired people to ask things that they've never asked for before. It's those eight words prayed in our church that has caused people to see God in a new way. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us with your love.
0: A few days later, we met up with Tim May, the pastor of Bow Church, another church of England involved with revitalization, which started a new congregation in a 700-year-old church building in East London. And interesting enough, Tim May was sent out from KXC years ago, and before that worked at Alpha International, where he and Jason met for the first time. Dan Rowe, one of our team members, is going to introduce this next section with Tim.
1: When I worked at Alpha a few years back, um, I had the privilege of, of uh, crossing paths with Tim May a few times in London, and I remember... Every time I'd meet up with Tim, I was just always intrigued by, you know, his kindness and genuineness, but also just like his his brain and how smart he was and how strategic he was thinking about things on on a bigger scale. Uh, and so sitting in this session with him and hearing about his intentional path into obscurity and kind of choosing. Um, yeah, choosing to be a rector at, at a, a small local parish in England, uh, in East London. I just felt was really compelling and I'm, I'm excited uh, that you get to hear a bit of it as well.
4: My story in ministry to church was via Alpha, which is where we met, right? And I, then when I was at Alpha, I guess I was involved in that kind of network, national style leadership, the stuff that's not just in local, but the wider conversations. And I think a lot of the, the ministries I was connected to were likely to kind of be part of had that big high adrenaline numbers focus growth focus and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever but i think i started to feel a dissatisfaction not least in my own soul really (laughs) and rather than anything else with what that kind of christianity was doing to me and through that time jesus has led my wife and i in a long series of obedience really and that's looked like decreasing platform and profile decreasing amount of um I'm I'm currently actually leading the smallest church I've ever been part of. I've been part of churches that are very small um, or quite small, big churches like HGV. This is actually the smallest church I've ever been part of in a community that's really challenged, really, really difficult, as well as some of the new wealth that's there. It has um, some of the, the highest... Rates of child malnourishment, domestic violence—like the, the the two wards, political wards around me have have the worst stats, basically. For one and two, there's wow. so the parish has um, two districts, and they're one and two on like so many of the terrible metrics. I think God has been doing something in my own soul, having come from a place that yeah had a bit more profile I and mean, involved in like zippy conversations, running around thinking about national strategies, like flying. Out. We met in Vancouver. Like thinking about how Alpha affects the world, and I love that, and I've got nothing against that. But I know that Jesus has done something in my own soul as I've moved into increasing obscurity and laid down some of those the opportunities and some of the mm. enjoyments and the advantages of being involved in kind of bigger profile stuff and experience the simple grace of of being known by Jesus, being a friend with God, even though I'm not perfect. And knowing what that looks like when ministry is the means and the vice that's causing your soul to become more like Jesus, because actually, all that other stuff's been taken away. All those other things that I didn't even know that I was addicted to suddenly being exposed, because it's only in the absence of the things that often entertain us, and distract us, so we realize what's been going on.
0: Now we've arrived at St. Aldate's Church in Oxford, our final stop in this episode, to hear from two pastors, Stephen Foster and Simon Ponsonby. Stephen is yet another leader who was sent out from HTB to help lead and foster a life-giving church community. And the building he's pastoring in is in the heart of Oxford, and it is literally over 900 years old. Stephen shared some interesting facts about the building, including how it has been the site of transformation for some key figures in church history. Let's see if you recognize any of these names.
6: It's an interesting place. So yeah, there's been Christian mushroom on the site for over a thousand years. Um, The Saxon bodies are buried underneath where you're sitting, ready to face East when Jesus comes again in glory. Um, the that door over there, not the not the modern door, but the door that's behind it. Um, George Whitfield um, came to faith about thirty meters that wow. way, and he was filled with the Spirit about thirty meters that way. And when he was filled with the Spirit, he ran along the street through that door, through here, and knelt down here and um, recommitted his life to Jesus. So. Um, so, uh, John Wesley, over there. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> so something uh, about John Wesley um, started the holy club. Forty meters that way. Yeah, about that. way. Fifty. Sorry, sorry. <laughs>
3: 50, <laughs> Fifty meters that way. It's in the details. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Amongst names like George Whitfield and John Wesley, there was another name that kept coming up in what Stephen was sharing with us: Simon Ponsonby. Simon is the pastor of theology at St. Aldate's, and he was sitting in the back row of the session while Stephen was being interviewed. Now, meeting and spending time with Simon turned out to be one of the most pleasant, unplanned parts of the entire trip. He is a deep, wise man who has such a contagious love for the Lord and for the church. And after a moment where Stephen invited the Holy Spirit to come and he was moved to tears, Jason decided to invite Simon up. Here's what he shared with our group. Anything to add,
6: Simon? Come, come on, Simon. Come on. Because t- yeah, Simon. so Simon's the gold, honestly. I mean, come on, Simon. Come on, Simon. I love things up with Simon. That's why Simon's here. Because I always feel like just like my big brother is here. You, know, like, um, you have the seat, Simon.
3: Anything to add about um, the conversation we're having? just want to invite you in.
7: I was getting quite moved. The rector starts crying. He got me crying then. <laughs> um, I think ministry is really tough. And uh, you can start out really idealistic with a real sense of your vocation and your gifting and the opportunity mm-hmm. and encouragements there. And, you know, you may have taken a few bruises, but not too many, and you're just all in. But after a while, it, it just really... Com- can whittle you down. The ministry's really tough. Yeah. And uh, so along with all the things that we want to take in on how to do the job better, vision and leadership skills and planning and strategy and team management and you know being the best we can be. The most important thing I think is to constantly keep coming back uh, to our relationship with the Lord. That's the most important. It's not about what we do, it's about who we are with Him. And what we do has got to flow from that. So ministry is busy. And often the most important thing is the last thing. And that's our time with the Lord. So um, for me, John 21, uh, Simon, do you love me? Feed my sheep, not go and feed my sheep. How many sheep can you feed? How's the best way to feed them? What are you going to feed them? How are you? And, but. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. So <clears throat> I'm called Simon, so I like that passage. I feel immediately addressed. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. I've got to love the Lord, And uh, but I can only love him when I know he loves me. So, so I, that, that investment in intimacy with him, mm-hmm. I think's the number one thing. I thank God for all the opportunities and availability of um, skills and tools and, Networks and um, conferences and th- to equip us with with things for ministry, but the most important thing and the only one you can take responsibility for yourself is time with God. So you've got to love on the Lord; you've got to be loved by Him. Mm. And um, and then the second thing is you've got to be filled with the Spirit, and uh, otherwise you end up burnt out or you end up doing things in your own strength. And we, we need more of the Spirit. Yeah. And uh, there's always more of the Spirit. If you, though, you're even now to give, give good gifts, how much more will the Father give the Spirit yeah, to those? He loves Luke 11:13, 13. And there's just always more. Mm-hmm. So uh, time time with Jesus, time for Him. And um, just asking Him, help, Lord. Mm-hmm. I need the Spirit. I'll take all the skills, all the training. I haven't taken enough of those in my time. But... I just need more of you in my life. Mm-hmm. And then I think, thirdly, I think ministry, we received a word about our church. And it was a word describing what we do. And I thought, that's, that's the word. That's right. And um, the word was, oh, this is a church that rolls out the red carpet for everyone. And I think, I think that's what we're trying in terms of ministry we want to roll out the red carpet outside for everyone to come and it doesn't matter if they're a professor or that they've just come out having done 20 years for murder we roll out the red carpet but we're rolling out the red carpet for the lord so we roll it out for him and we roll it out for the world mm. so yeah that's beautiful
0: directly following this time with Stephen and Simon. Simon took our group on a tour of Oxford. He shared the significance of areas where people like C.S. Lewis and John Wesley worked and studied. And for one part, and this was particularly moving, he stopped in the middle of the road at Martyr's Mark, pointing at this small area which honored the memory of some early Christian leaders who were burned at the stake for not compromising on Christian doctrine. And Simon shared that he oftentimes comes back to this area of the road to remember the shoulders that he's standing on as he works with Jesus to build the church in England. We so enjoyed our time with Simon that we actually organized a conversation for the podcast between him and Jason, and we are thrilled to be releasing that for our next episode. We're going to close off this episode with his prayer from the end of that conversation. But before we close that way, We wanna say thank you for coming along with us on this sort of audio journey with church leaders across England. We all came back filled with so much hope and a real sense of call to serve Jesus' church in Canada with all of our hearts. We hope that you're able to experience a bit of that listening to this episode. We love you and we're excited to be with you again soon. Here's a prayer from Simon to send you off into the rest of the week. We hope it serves you. Well, Lord, we bless
8: you. We bless you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that when we were still far off, you met us in your son and you brought us home. And we thank you, Lord, that in your death we have life. We thank you that you loved us so much. That you gave your only son that we who believe in you wouldn't perish but have eternal life. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord, that you condescend to dwell in us. We bless you, Lord, that you call us to serve you. What a privilege, Lord. As David says, who am I and what is my family that you have brought me this far? So we bless you, Lord. And Lord, we wanna, we wanna be the best we can be for you. We wanna be the best men and women. We wanna be the best husbands and wives, the best parents, we wanna be the best friends. We wanna be the best we can be for you. We don't wanna squander your death for us. We don't wanna squander, Lord, your spirit shed abroad in us. We wanna be the best we can be. And we thank you that you pour out your love on us and you give us your spirit to transform us and you give us your word to direct us and you give us your sacraments to nourish us and give us your church for us to belong in a community and we bless you lord we pray you help us lord to be faithful to you thank you that even when we're not your faithful you can't deny yourself but help us to be faithful to you lord i pray for those who pastors who are listening who just all beaten up and that they're hurting on the inside because it's a mess on the outside or maybe it just looks really good on the outside they're still hurting on the inside lord i bless them i pray that you would restore them lord pray you'd encourage them i pray for your balm to heal them and soothe their wounds lord i pray that you'd renew their affections for you and renew their sense of your affection for them. I pray for those, Lord, who've got decisions to make that you would speak clearly, Lord, and quickly, so they'd know what to do, when to do it, how to do it, where to go. I pray, Lord, for those who are listening. I pray for their church community. I pray for their families, that you'll bless them and encourage them. I pray for their health, Pray for their rest. Pray for, the, for their minds. But I pray for their time with you. Help them be, to set aside time for a lover's tryst with you. I pray your word would come alive them. I pray your spirit would overwhelm them. I pray that just be rekindled in their love for you, Lord, and their love for yours and their love for the lost. I pray for those who just struggling, knowing what to do, I pray you download to them, Lord, vision. Your word says that you give young men visions. Give the young men visions, Lord. I'm an old man. I could do with a dream, but give visions to the young men and the young women. We pray they'll just hear from you and declare your word. We pray that in their communities there would be a hunger for you. We've talked about revival. We pray your spirit would come down on their churches on their communities, and you do an amazing thing. you pray for wildfires just to break out. I pray, Lord, that they would return to their first love. I pray you'd baptise them afresh in your spirit. Pray that your word would come alive to them. I pray you'd give them joy in serving you. And I pray you'd give them friends to walk and in, in journey in ministry Lord and so we bless you Lord we honor you and Lord your word says no eye has seen no ear heard no mind can see what God has prepared for those who love him but you revealed it by your spirit well Lord reveal it some more when you please reveal it and encourage your church leaders we bless them and we bless you